Man, it was an excellent effort, Trevor. It was almost there. Um, but just for you to take a bit of encouragement, your pastor had one-on-one tuition all afternoon and he still couldn't do it. Um, so a double L in uh, Welsh is a sound. So the town that our church is located in is Bethany Baptist Church, Pusquine, Pont de Preeth. Um, it's great speaking Welsh until COVID broke out because the Welsh language you tend to spit over people because you have and and all of those different sounds which is great until people then want to keep their distance from you because the last thing you want to do is spit on anybody um, during this pandemic. So there we are. So I'll try not to make any Welsh pronunciations um, while we're greeting you uh, at the door at the end of the service tonight. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you turn to Acts chapter 4, and we're just going to look at one um, verse. We are looking at spiritual maturity this week and walking in spiritual maturity. And by way of introduction this morning, we looked at the traits of immaturity and how to spot when we're immature physically and how that can translate then to being immature spiritually. Um, So I want to look at um, the subject of boldness tonight, boldness, and see how we can develop that boldness in terms of growing spiritually. You know, when you become a Christian, uh, it, it's, I suppose it's all a bit daunting. You know, there's terms that, um, if you've only been in church a short while, there's lots of things church um, does that are different. They stand up at weird times, and then in some places, men come round with boxes that you have to put money in, and then um, they stand for singing some hymns and sit for singing other hymns, and then there's words that are different. There's a lot of things to take in. There's a lot of things to... It's almost like we have our own language, that we use words flippantly, and then for somebody coming into church for the first time, it can be a bit daunting. But then as we grow as Christians... We're not meant to stay the same. It's just like a baby. If, if a child is born, you know, when a, somebody comes to know the Lord, they are born again. Um, so when a child is born, you don't just leave the child there and think, right, you can fend for yourself. Now, when we brought our daughters home from hospital on the day that they were, were born, we didn't put them in the bedroom and then tell them that the kitchen is just downstairs. So, you know, when you want a bottle... Um, you're more than welcome to boil the kettle and put a bottle in a bit of water or, you know, if you're really modern, you can stick it in the microwave and, uh, and then, you know, the bathroom is through there and, you know, when you've dirtied your nappy, if you could just put it in the bin for... We didn't do that. We didn't expect the, 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 the babies to kind of take care of themselves. We looked after them and we taught them eventually to walk. And as they grew and as they developed, we taught them different values. And it's the same with us as believers, We have to grow. And as we are growing in the Lord, we will learn different things. We will learn that there are some things we shouldn't be doing. If we are saved, born again, washed by the blood of Christ, then our old life is left behind. So we have to recognize that as part of spiritual maturity, there's some things that we used to do that we shouldn't be doing anymore. And by the end of this week, um, the aim is for us all to be perfect Christians. Sort of. Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. Um, Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, it says, uh, we'll, we'll read from um, verse 12. It says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name uh, under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them 
that they had been with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this day, for this time together, for this opportunity to come around your word. Father, we just pray that you would speak to our hearts tonight. We ask, Lord, if there's anybody in the service tonight or watching online that has never put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, if there's not a point in their lives where they can pinpoint that they did that, where they confessed their sin, where they believed that Christ was the only hope of salvation, where they called upon his name, where they trusted in the shed blood to wash them of their sin, Father, if there's somebody here tonight that has never done that, then I pray that tonight would be the night that they would start that journey in spiritual maturity, that they would start that journey as a child of God. And Father, we pray for those who know you as Savior, that you would help us always, until we get to glory, to grow and become more like our Savior. We pray and ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. So what I want us to see tonight is how we can develop spiritually uh, a maturity of boldness. Um, now, the first thing we see here is that Peter and, and John were ignorant and unlearned men, but they were bold when it came to talking about the Lord. Now then, let me ask you this question. How many of you like talking? Just the pastors, and nobody else likes to talk. Awesome. You know, my wife and I have been married for 25 years and we've never had a single argument. I just don't like to interrupt her. (laughs) (laughs) My wife loves to talk. I hate it. I hate talking. You would not believe it. You might think, well, that sounds a bit odd. You're standing in front of us all talking. In a one-on-one conversation, I'm the most nervous and shy, and I really struggle to make conversation. The very first hospital visit I did when I became the pastor at Bethany, um, Joe had actually written down a list of questions for me to ask. And in about 30 seconds, I'd asked every single question. And Joe said, well, you know, don't you listen to the response, and then you can kind of, once they've answered the one question, you go on and, and you, you, you build on that. I said, I didn't listen for any responses. I was just reading the questions off you gave me. You know, and once you've talked about the food and the weather, what else is there to talk about? Now, some of us may struggle when it comes to talking. Some of us may be shy. Some of us may not be able to, um, you know, to strike up a conversation. But the one thing we ought to be bold about is talking about the Lord. Now, there are certain things in our lives that we find difficult to speak of. Um, Maybe, like I said, maybe you find small talk difficult. But the things that excite you, you should be able to talk about nonstop. Um, I'm sure if you ask the pastor to explain the, the workings of an internal combustion engine, maybe he may be able to talk to you for hours and hours and maybe he won't have much to say. But if you ask him to talk about Chelsea Football Club, I can promise you this, you're in for a very long afternoon. I should have probably used a more spiritual illustration than I said. If you asked him to talk about the scripture, then he'd he'd talk for ages. But do you see what I'm saying? Things that excite us, we are able to talk about. Here's the thing. If you know Christ as your saviour, that subject ought to excite you. And we ought not to wait for a, for a Sunday evening gospel service to be able to share the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our calling every moment of every day that we breathe. 
Because that's what Christ has commissioned us to do. He said to his disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel. What is the gospel? According to Paul, the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what we are to be talking about. Why? Because when we accepted Christ as our saviour, something changed inside us. And I don't know about you, but I grew up in church. I went to church my whole life. My mum and dad were saved when they were teenagers, and we were... You could say I had a drug problem when I was younger because I was dragged to church every single Sunday. That's what they did. They just dragged us to church every Sunday to church. And it wasn't until I was 21 years of age that I heard the gospel. So I went to church my whole life and never heard about how Christ died on the cross for my sins. That's a shocking testimony. To think that I would go all of that time and never hear the gospel... But because I was in church, I thought I was okay. I went to church. I could live my life exactly as I wanted to for the whole week. But I'd go to church on Sunday morning, whether it was with a hangover or whether it was after a fight the night before or whatever it was. I went to church Sunday morning and that was just fine because I got my tick in the box and I was okay. Until a preacher said, if you've never trusted Christ as your saviour, then you're lost and you're headed to a Christless hell. And that frightened me, because I thought I was okay. Hey, listen, you can sit in church your whole life. That's not going to make you a Christian. I can go and sit in McDonald's all I like for as long as I like. It'll never make me a happy meal. Sitting in the garage will never make you a car. Sitting in church doesn't make you a Christian. Accepting Christ as your saviour, believing that he died upon the cross, having your sins forgiven and being washed by the blood of Christ is what makes you Christ-like, which is what a Christian means. Being born again. Do you know him as your saviour tonight? If you don't, you need to put that right. Because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We have no idea what will happen when we leave this place tonight. We could lay our head on the pillow tonight and that would be that. That could be game over for us. Do you know where you'd spend eternity? Do you know that if you were to die right now, you'd go to heaven? And maybe you were here tonight and you said, you know what, I, I, I haven't got that certainty. I haven't got that, that assurance that you have. I, 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 I'm, I'm fearful of death. I don't know what uh, might happen at the end. You know, Is God going to weigh up my good deeds and my bad deeds? And, and if you were unsure, you need to put that right tonight. If you are spiritually mature, then we ought to have a boldness to talk about Christ. To get excited about it. And if we can't get excited about the gospel, there is something seriously wrong with us all. But does the gospel excite us? Does it move us to the point of wanting to share that good news? You know, good, you, you can't wait to tell somebody good news. You know, we've had so much bad news over the past two years. You're afraid to turn on the TV. You're afraid for the phone to go in case, you know, there's, there's another loved one lost. Or there's, you know, there's, there's another illness. Or this, this happening. But good news is awesome. You can't wait to share good news. So why don't we have a boldness to share Christ? Because we should. 
We should have that boldness in speaking. Uh, when, uh, the, 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 it says in Acts 4.31, when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. Christ changed these disciples. These were men that were just a, a few days earlier were petrified. When Christ died upon the cross, the disciples were scattered. They were nowhere to be seen. Only one disciple was at the foot of the cross when everybody else had had gone away and then just a few days later they were filled with boldness and they didn't stay in the upper room anymore they went out and proclaimed the gospel to everybody they came in contact with the Lord changed them and they were suddenly bold. Paul uh, was the same, you know, after Paul uh, had his experience on the Damascus Road. And here's somebody who was religious. Here's somebody that was a churchgoer. Here's somebody who uh, maintained the letter of the law. But he wasn't saved because he'd never come to a personal relationship with Christ. But when Christ saved him, he was changed. And he couldn't stop talking about the Lord. Yeah, but it's easy for Paul that's the great apostle. That's somebody that was born to do that. Paul was petrified to talk. He said that he came in fear and in trembling when he spoke. Being bold in talking about the Lord doesn't mean that you're overconfident. It just means that that's something that gives you an excitement because that's a subject that ought to fire us up. And if that doesn't put a fire in our belly... What will? We ought to be bold talking about the Lord. Many times Paul found himself in difficult circumstances, but he said, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. Yeah, but surely that's just for the preacher. That's just talking about the pastor. That's just talking about the missionary. That's talking about every single one of us. You are a missionary in places that you, a pastor, can't go. You were a missionary in places that you were pastor will never have access to. You were a missionary in your home, in your classroom, in your workplace, in your community. And as we grow in maturity in our walk, we become more and more bold when it comes to talking about the Lord. Paul had a boldness to preach the gospel. He said in 1 Corinthians 2, 2 to 5, For I determined not to know anything among you save Christ Jesus and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing word of man wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And you might say, well, I don't know what to say when it comes to talking about Christ. And this is the incredible thing about your testimony. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have a testimony. What is a testimony? If you went into a court of law, you would testify. You would witness of events. You would witness of the evidence. You would witness what you saw. Well, if I came to talking about the Lord, I, I wouldn't know what to say. I wouldn't know, how, you know, how do I defend the word? How do I uh, talk about, you know, if they bring up evolution or creation or if they bring up Bible versions or if they bring up denominations or if they bring up, it doesn't matter. What matters is that you know Christ as your Savior and you can talk about that. Why? Because you witnessed that. 
You were there when that happened. You have a testimony to share with people. Your lives ought to exude the gospel. Your lives ought to be a mirror of what Christ has done for you. And we can be bold. They can excite us. Because he changed my life. And I promise you right now, if it wasn't for him, I would not be here today. Because my life was heading for disaster. And if Christ had not saved me, I don't think I would be here today in this life. That's the power of the gospel. Nothing else does that. You know how politicians can stand up and speak empty words their whole lives and their words will never have the power to change our lives like the power of the gospel can. That's what Christ does. And as a result, that ought to fire us up. That ought to excite us. That ought to get us moving to the point where we can't help but share the gospel because we want people to know about it. We want people to know what Christ has done in our lives. We want people to know the difference that Christ made for us. We want people to know that there is a heaven to be gained, that there is a, a hell that is, uh, has been reserved for the devil and his fallen angels. But for those who are lost without Christ, that's where they'll spend eternity. And God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. And we want people to know that. Why? Because somebody was bold enough to tell you. Each and every one of you that is saved tonight was told the gospel by somebody. I'm thankful for a little American missionary that came from Georgia to a little town in the valleys of Wales as a missionary to preach the gospel because because he changed my life because he changed my eternity because he just shared with boldness the gospel of Christ who shared the gospel with you can you picture that person now talking to you about the Lord. And maybe it was a, a pastor in a church. Maybe it was somebody on the street. Maybe it was a family member. Maybe it was a friend. But they had the boldness to share that gospel with you. Now it's our turn to share it with somebody else. To pass it on. There ought to be a boldness in our speaking. As we grow in spiritual maturity, not only is there a boldness in our speaking, there's a boldness in our supplication. If you look at Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 12. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 12. It says, In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith, of him. The word boldness there, uh, which means a freedom in speaking, speech that is without concealment, boldness, assurance, cheerful courage. We have a boldness. We enjoy a boldness because of the love that Christ has demonstrated to us. And just like a, a child would be able to boldly come before his father and ask for something, we have that same boldness as we come before the throne of grace to ask God in a time of need. Hebrews said, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
The Christian enjoys rest because of that accessibility that we have to God. Listen, before we become a Christian, and again, it doesn't matter how long we come to church and how uh, many uh, uh, months, weeks, or years we we sit in the pews, it it doesn't matter. If we've never accepted Christ as our Savior, then it doesn't matter how many times we give a shopping list to God. He doesn't hear that prayer. But as a born-again believer in Christ, we have that access to the Father. And we can come before him with boldness, with, with courage, with knowing that he will hear our prayers. And we enjoy that accessibility because of what Christ has done for us. For through him, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. And I'll be honest with you, I, I don't know how people have coped over these past few years without the Lord. I don't know what it's been like in Northern Ireland, but in Wales, it's been tough. It's been really hard. And there have been times when people have been fearful, been afraid. Jobs have been on the line. Finances have been tough. And it's been difficult even to sometimes buy the basic necessities that has been needed. But it's been incredible to boldly go before the throne of grace and say, Lord, I just need help. I can't do this on our own. And you know... As we grow in spiritual maturity, we enjoy that boldness to come before the throne. Do we recognize how much of a testimony that is to other people? Because when we are going through a trial and we were able to face that trial with a confidence to know that God will get us through it, that speaks to people's hearts and they're like, how do you do that? How are you able to go through that? How are you able to cope with that loss? How are you able to to deal with that situation? How are you able to go through such trial and tribulation and yet still have an air of praise about you? Because of who God is. Because I can speak to him and he hears and answers and helps. It says we can go to him and we can find help. We can obtain mercy in a time of need. Oftentimes, believers today use prayer as a last resort. You know, I, I, I don't know if you a pastor is the same, but sometimes when people come to me for advice and they say, oh, pastor, I, you know, I don't know what to do about this situation. I just say the same thing all the time. I might just get like a flashcard made. Have you prayed about it? Because that's my response every time. Oh, pastor, I don't know what to do about this situation. Have you taken it to the Lord in prayer? Oh, no, not yet, but you know, I, I really want your advice and... Well, my advice is pray. Yeah, but I don't know what else to do. Well, you don't know what else to do? Pray. Prayer is not meant to be a last resort. Prayer is a first port of call. That's a privilege that's been given to us to be able to come before a heavenly father, to the creator of this universe, to God Almighty and ask him for help. And he wants us to do that. I don't know what the prayer meeting is like in Northern Ireland, but the prayer meeting back in Wales is, is a sad state of affairs. You know, the Sunday services are well attended, but the midweek prayer meeting is the least attended meeting of the week. Why? Because that's the importance that believers today place on prayer. We, we don't put an importance on prayer anymore. Let me tell you something. 
the greatest revivals that have taken place in, the, in, in Wales, especially in, in the 1904 and 1857 and even before that, all started with prayer. Just with a group of youngsters getting together and praying earnestly. If my people, which are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, then will I forgive their sin, then will I heal their land. But we're not bold in praying. You know, if Daniel wasn't bold in praying, he never would have been able to survive the lion's den. If Hananiah, Mishael, and, uh, uh, Meshach, and Azariah weren't uh, bold in prayer, they never would have been able to go through the fiery furnace. You know, if, if, if the, 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 the Moses uh, wasn't bold in prayer, then he would not have been able to take the children of Israel through the Red Sea and into the wilderness. You know, on the, on the eve of Peter's execution, if it wasn't for the prayer of the saints, then he wouldn't have been freed on the night before the execution of Mordecai. A sleepless king found out that Mordecai saved his life and was not rewarded but was rewarded the next morning and all because of prayer. Prayer is so important but it's probably the most neglected of the weapons that we have in regards to the armour of God. If we're going to grow in spiritual maturity then we We've got to be bold in our supplication. We've got to be bold in prayer. If we want souls to be saved, then guess what? We're going to have to put in the effort and the time to pray for those who are lost. If we are struggling with a situation in our life, then we've got to be bold in prayer to ask the Lord to help us. If we are struggling with a trial and difficulty, we've got to be bold in prayer in asking the Lord to intervene, to intercede and to help. Prayer is incredible. And that's an important part of us growing. You want to hear some deep theological truth tonight? And it's from a children's chorus. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. That's it. How simple is the Christian life? Read your Bible and pray, and guess what? Spiritually, we'll grow. We'll grow to spiritual maturity. If we read our Bible and if we pray. But sometimes we neglect even those basic, even that most basic of requirements. Not only is there a boldness in speaking and a boldness in supplication, there is a boldness in suffering. Look at Philippians 1.20. Philippians 1.20 says, According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. The word magnified means to make great or to enlarge. That is our purpose, to make the Lord Jesus Christ large. (laughs) To display him to a world. You know, we are to act like a telescope and a microscope. You know, to a, to a, a lost world, the Lord Jesus Christ is something far away. It's something in the distance. You know, I don't really want to think about it. I don't really want to talk about it. I, I would rather believe, well, I'd rather believe in unbelief, if that makes sense. You know, the atheist has far more faith even than the Christian because they believe in nothing. You know, I, w- I would rather he doesn't exist. So, in that regards, we are meant to act like a telescope. We are meant to make something that's far away look a lot closer. 
So we are to highlight the Lord Jesus Christ to those who don't believe. And we can do that through our lives, through the way in which we live, through our testimony. And not only are we to act like a telescope, which brings something far away closer, we are to act like a microscope. To some people, Jesus is not very big. Jesus is not the Son of God. Jesus is not virgin-born. Jesus is not God in the flesh. Jesus is just another curse word that they can use and roll off the tongue when they want to express disgust. So for some people, Jesus is very small. Well, our job then is to magnify him, not just make somebody far away appear closer, but to make somebody who to the world is very small appear as great as he is. That's what we've been called to do. To enlarge Christ in our lives. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's the basic requirement of us as believers. To highlight Christ to a lost world. Who else will do it? I, I, I don't know... Again, I don't know what it's like in Northern Ireland, but I can tell you this. People are not flooding into the church back in Wales. People are not coming off the streets who are lost and coming into the church to find answers. So if people are not coming into the church to find answers, guess what? We've got to go out and bring them in. And if we bring in the sheaves, guess what? We'll come in rejoicing. There's, there's a work to be done. And as we grow in that spiritual maturity, we'll become bold in speaking, in talking to people about the Lord. We'll become bold in our supplication when it comes to, to praying and asking God for that help in a time of need. Asking God to help us, even to help us in those areas of our lives that we're struggling with. we become bold in our suffering. If I was to ask you this question... For those who know Christ as their saviour, from the minute you got saved, has your life been absolutely perfect? Has it been a breeze? Oh, when I got saved, you know, there was, I had no health issues, I had no financial issues, everything went smoothly. The whole family supported me and they became my greatest cheerleaders and, you know, I never had any problems in work, you know, nobody ostracized me, nobody thought I was weird, everybody thought this was awesome and my whole life from becoming a Christian has just been peachy. Has that been your experience? Oh, you're a tough crowd. <laughs> it's not been my experience. Because from the moment I became a Christian, I stepped onto the battlefield. And it was tough. It was hard. But as we grow in spiritual maturity, God even uses those tough times in our lives to talk to people about Christ. You know, you look how God used Job's life. When Job could say, after all he was going through, I know that my Redeemer lives. And when we go through a time of difficulty and we're able to say to those around us who think, oh, you poor thing, I don't know how you're going through that, I don't know how you're coping. Well, I know my Redeemer lives. And I know that one day I'll see him. As a child of God, I don't fear anything that this life can throw at us. Why? Because the worst thing that can happen to us is actually the best thing that can happen to us. 
Like Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. If he lived, then he was going to do all he could for the Lord Jesus Christ. If he died, then guess what? He would be with the Savior that he'd spent the remainder of his life talking about since that conversion on the Damascus Road. We don't always understand suffering that comes our way. We certainly don't like suffering that comes our way. I don't think any of us, you know, maybe you've got a favorite Bible character and maybe you say, oh Lord, make me be more like Moses. You know, just uh, you know, let me have that opportunity to be the leader that I need to be. Oh Lord, you know, make me more like Paul who has that, uh, you know, that opportunity to go in and just to be able uh, to talk to people about the Lord. Oh Lord, make me more like Daniel who was such a man of prayer. Nobody ever prays. Oh Lord, make me more like Job. Oh, I'd love a bit of suffering in my life, Lord. Just, I could do with a bit more. You think all the jokes I fed poor Dab lost his family, lost his livelihood, lost his possessions. He didn't lose his wife, mind, so I don't know what I was saying. He's like, oh, great, you were still here. <laughs> Just when I thought things couldn't get any worse. What pearls of wisdom do you have for me today, Lev? Oh, curse God and die. Great. Thanks for your support. None of us ever prayed to be more like Job. But sometimes God uses the suffering in our lives to preach the biggest message. Why? Because when we are bold in our suffering, we show people who Christ really is. You see, you don't become saved for what you can get out of it. You don't become saved and say, right, Lord, you know, this is what I wanted to do with me now, and this is, this is my shopping list, and this is my will. And the Lord says, no. This is my will for your life. And sometimes God puts us in difficult situations so that that sermon may even speak louder to somebody in your workplace, your home, your classroom. That sermon may speak louder than any preacher standing behind the pulpit could ever speak. Why? Because that proves what the preacher says to be true. God gets us through those difficult moments in our lives. We don't always understand why we have to go through them. But we can grow as a result. We ought to be bold in our speaking, in our supplication, in our suffering. And then finally we can be bold in our sentencing. You look at 1 John 4, 17, and this is the last bit of scripture we'll turn to. 1 John 4, 17. First John 4, 17, the apostle said, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Remember, we said boldness can be translated as confidence. It doesn't mean a brashness or a brazenness. A believer who's experienced God's love simply grows in his confidence towards God. So what does that mean that we can have boldness in our, boldness in our sentencing? Well, John said, herein is our love made perfect that we may, may have boldness in the day of judgment. 
Hebrews 9.27 says, As it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this judgment. I love statistics. Um, when I was an aircraft engineer, before I went into the ministry, my last job was a statistician. Um, so I was responsible for all the statistics for the whole factory um, with engines and um, you know how many engines had come in, how many had gone out. And, and I love it. I love figures and numbers. And that's why it's always interesting when they put the, the COVID stats up because you think, yeah, I know you've cooked those books, but that's another topic for another day. You can do lots of things with numbers. I love statistics, and I'm going to share with you one of the greatest statistics on the planet. 10 out of 10 people die. 10 out of 10 people die. Guess what? None of us are getting out of this life alive. Oh, that's a cheery thought. But that's a fact of life. At some point, we're going to draw our final breath. This life does not last forever. I am I'm a lot younger than you, Pastor, but even though we're friendly, he's, he's a lot, lot older than me by quite some distance. And even though I'm coming up to my 50th birthday, I know I don't look it, but even though I'm coming up to my 50th birthday, I still feel like I'm in my 20s. I still act like I'm in my 20s, hence the message this morning in terms of immaturity. Um, but even though I'm coming up to 50, I'm like, I still feel like a 20-year-old. I can still, you know, remember um, first getting married. I can still remember like it was yesterday, bringing my daughters home from the hospital, and now they're like 24 and 19, and you're like, oh, well, that was yesterday. Life goes really quick. The older you get, the quicker it goes as well. 70's coming next. <laughs> Life goes really quick. And we might think we've got all the time in the world. And we haven't. You know, I used to witness to a friend of mine in work, and I'd witness to him every single day, and he would say the exact same thing. Church is for old people. When I'm older, we'll have this conversation again. And at 39 years of age, he was killed in a motorbike accident. And I don't know if he ever did anything with the information I gave him and with the times that I spent witnessing to him. But he said the same thing. When I'm older, when I'm older, when I'm older. Today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. We're not to put that decision off. This is the most important decision anyone will ever make, not just in their life, for all eternity. But we'll do it again. We'll do it again. We'll do it again. You haven't got the opportunity to do it again because that might never come. Because today's the day of salvation. Death might come right now as we leave this building. Death might call upon us. And if you've never asked the Lord into your heart, if you've never been saved, if you've never believed that Christ died upon the cross for your sins and confessed him as your Savior and believed that that is the only means of salvation, if you've never done that, if you've never called upon the name of the Lord, then there is no hope after death. How ah, people say, well, I don't believe in hell. Well, you can say that all you want. You can go and stand out on the main road there. You can go and stand on the A1 and say, I don't believe in trucks or lorries, and I can promise you this. Eventually, you'll believe in one as it runs over you. 
And people can say, I don't believe in hell all they want. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in heaven. But one day, everybody will stand before a holy God. Everybody. And then there'll be no excuse to say, ah, oh, yeah, well, can I kind of work this out, God? Can I, if you're that living, you know, can I kind of, surely there are some good deeds I did on earth that would be good enough to kind of get me into heaven? It doesn't work like that. God has made a way for sin to be paid for now. Not after death, now. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But people refuse to believe, don't want to believe. Think it's better to pretend that God doesn't exist so then they don't have to answer to him. But that's not going to help when this life ends. We have a boldness in sentencing. We have a boldness because as a believer in Christ, as somebody who's been washed by that blood, as somebody whose sins have been forgiven, past, present, and future, as somebody who's a child of God, I need never ever fear God turning around to me and saying, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, for I never knew you. And I have a confidence that one day I'll be with my Saviour in heaven forever. It's appointed unto men once to die. And maybe COVID has been a bit of an eye-opener for those who have thought that life will just go on and on and on because we've had people that have been affected by this. We've had people in our church who've lost their lives because of it. And we've had people that have suddenly started thinking about the brevity of life. Life doesn't last forever. James said it's like a vapor. It's, it's here today and it's gone tomorrow. But eternity, eternity lasts for eternity, funnily enough. We're not afraid of the future because our sins are taken care of. But if you've never trusted Christ as your saviour, then at this moment, your sins are not taken care of. You will have to pay for your sins. But why do you want to pay for something you can't afford? Christ has already paid that debt. You know, it's like going into a court of law and being sentenced by the judge for a crime that you have committed and the evidence is there and there's no doubt about that and he, the judge turns around and says, right, your fine is a million pounds. You're like... I can't pay that. And the judge says, no, but I can. And the judge turns around and puts that check on the table and says, there, your, your crime has been taken care of. The fine has been paid. So as a result, you can now be declared a set free. That's what Christ did upon the cross. We can't pay for our sins. We can't afford it. But God said, I know, so I'm going to pay for it. So when Christ died upon the cross, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we then might have his righteousness imputed to us. Our sin was placed upon him, so his righteousness could be placed upon us. So that when death came and we stood before God, God did see us in our sinful condition, but he saw his son in all his righteousness. We don't have to be afraid because our sins are taken care of. 
Can I just ask the question tonight? Do you know Christ as your saviour? Do you know that if you were to die right now, you'd go to heaven? If you don't, then you have to put that right because it doesn't matter whether you've been in church your whole life. It doesn't matter whether your parents are Christians. It doesn't matter whether your friends are in the ministry. It doesn't matter whether you know somebody who goes to church. It's a personal decision that only you can make. Do you know Christ as your saviour? If you don't, you need to put that right tonight. You're not going to get into heaven any other way but by God's way. Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. He died on the cross for you. Accept that. Believe that he died for you. And the scripture says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you are saved tonight, are we growing? Are we growing in spiritual maturity? Are we bold in our speaking? If we're not, then we need to ask the Lord to help us in that area of our life so we can share the gospel with those who are not coming into the church, with those who are in our sphere of influence, for those who are in our classroom, our workplace, our our homes, our communities. As we grow in maturity in our walk with the Lord, there'll be a boldness in our supplication. God wants us to pray, and we can come boldly before the throne of grace and speak to the Lord, and fellowship with the Lord, and talk with the Lord, just like Adam enjoyed in the cool of the day, fellowshipping with, with God, we are able to enjoy that exact same thing as we come before his presence. As we grow, there's a boldness in our suffering when difficulties come into our lives. We have the opportunity for Christ's light to shine even brighter through our lives because of the darkness that we are actually facing makes that light shine even brighter. As we grow in spiritual maturity, we have a boldness in terms of our sentencing. We don't fear what tomorrow brings. We don't fear uh, what what is going to happen when death finally uh, calls us because of what Christ has done for us. We have a confidence. You know, sometimes... I, I think, you know, there's a lot of people that, that suffer with confidence. They're not confident. They're not outgoing. They, they may be shy, more of an introvert. Like you, a pastor, is a bit of an introvert. You know, they, they don't like to, to be in the limelight. But as a believer, we have a confidence, a hope, a boldness. And that makes all the difference. Why? Because that enables us to face tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. And we can walk in boldness and in confidence because of who Christ is, because of what Christ has done, and because of the difference he's made in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this day, for this time together, and for this opportunity once again to come around your word. Father, we just ask that you would continue to help us, Lord, as we grow in spiritual maturity. Help us, Lord, in this aspect of courage, in this aspect of confidence, in this aspect of boldness. Help us, Lord, when it comes to talking to others. The gospel is too important to keep to ourselves. The gospel is too important for us to stand idly by and watch our friends and family slip off to a lost eternity without Christ. Help us, Lord, in the boldness when it comes to praying. 
in terms of our supplication, in praying for one another, in praying for our nation, for our, for our church, for our pastor, for the, uh, the, the gospel message, for the ministries. Help us, Lord, when it comes to our boldness, when we go through the times of trial, that those trials may be used for your glory so that others may see Christ in and through us. We're thankful, Lord, that as a child of God, we don't fear death. There is no victory in death. There is no sting in death because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And Father, I'm thankful for that confidence I have in you. Lord, I just pray now that you would just help us tonight. If there's anyone here who's lost, I pray that tonight they would be touched by the word of God and realize what Christ has done for them recognize who they are without him and they'd come to that realization that only christ can save and then father i pray that you would help us who know you as our savior that we may continue to grow in spiritual maturity and as a result bring you glory honor and praise as we point people to the cross of calvary even through our words uh, the way we walk and the way we witness and our testimony that we might share the love of Christ with all of those around us. We pray and ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.